Well, good morning, everybody. We're so grateful that you braved uh, Snowmageddon today. Awesome. Hey, thanks for coming out. If you are a guest here at Elevate Church, my name is Colby. I'm the pastor here, and we're in this series that we've begun at the beginning of this year called You in a Year. And why we're talking uh, through this material is because we all have things that we would like to maybe be different this year than we're last year, or, or things that would be better perhaps this year. We have some goals and some hopes and desires to get there. Uh, and what does that look like? How do we go from where we are to where we ultimately wanna be? So that's kind of what we're covering. In fact, we've kicked off this year with our 21 days of prayer and fasting last weekend. And so we had a great time Monday through Friday seeking God here at 7 a.m. And so we're gonna continue to do that this coming week. I would encourage you, if you haven't been a part of that yet, come on out. I mean, we have a great time coming together and really praying and worshiping God at 7 a.m. Monday through Friday and I would invite you to do that. And then also tonight, we're coming back. So hopefully you can brave the snow again. We're gonna come back and worship God. We're gonna say, God, you're first in this year, so we have a night dedicated for that. It's our team night, but really everyone is invited. It's just a, a worship night. We're gonna blow the walls off, really lean in to what God wants to do in our heart and in this church in the beginning of this year. So come on back for that. The reason why we're in this series is really because of something that Aristotle said. He said that we are what we repeatedly do. In other words, you are who you are because the stuff that you do over and over and over again in your life. We have habits. It's said that, that we form habits and then our habits form us. And that's for good or bad, by the way. Maybe you are where you are because of some great habits that you have in your life. But maybe if you're like me, you also have some habits that aren't so great. And we enter into a new year with kind of a new hope you know, for things to be better, new desires, new, new goals, you know, for that. But we also, while we have new hope, we also bring our old habits along with us. Big hope, but we still have bad habits. So how do we actually get there? Because hope is a wonderful thing. Uh, you need hope, you know, to get started. The Bible talks a lot about hope. I'm all for hope. I love hope. However, hope is not a strategy for change. Hope is not gonna get you where you want to be. You need something more. Hope is a great catalyst. Hope is a great motivator, but we need some disciplines in our life. What we need are, are disciplines that will close the gap between where we are and ultimately where we want to go. And the problem is, many of us would say, Colby, I've done that. Like I try every single year, I try. I put some new habits in place, some new disciplines. The problem is they don't last, but have you tried what God's word tells us in Romans chapter 12, where he says, hey, fix your attention on me. Like, fix your attention on God. Like, get him involved in the process. Stop trying to, to do this on your own. And what's gonna happen is, you're not gonna you know, do what everyone else does during this time of year, try to make some external changes, hoping that things are different this year or better this year. No, God's gonna change you from the inside out. Like, he wants to do a work in your heart first. He wants to change your, your motivations for even wanting that change in the first place, and he's gonna do that from the inside out if we readily recognize what he wants from us and quickly respond to it. He goes on to say, unlike the culture around you that's always trying to drag you down to its level of immaturity. Come on, how many of you know that's true, right? Always trying to get dragged down, but God wants to bring out the best in you. Like he wants you to be the best you you can be. And in fact, if we have a singular focus in this church, 
That's our focus for you as well. That's our focus for me, that you would reach your full potential in Christ, that God would take us on this journey. He says, develops a well-formed maturity in you. It's this process, it's this journey that God wants to take every single one of us on. In fact, this is why we call it Elevate Church, by the way. Uh, First of all, we wanna elevate the name of Jesus in our city. He is the name above all names, right? And that his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that he is the center of it all, that this is his platform where we're gonna make his name known. But the second reason it's called Elevate is because I believe God wants to take you to higher heights, That God wants to do something in your heart and in your life as well to elevate you, right, so you can reach your full potential in Christ. And it's this journey that he wants to take you on. It's this journey. We we say it, uh, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That that's really the journey he has for you. And it starts, by the way, with knowing God. And if you walk through these doors today and you're not a follower of Jesus, that's all right. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're here checking this thing out. We want to introduce you to Jesus, we want you to know God, that that's the starting line, and then find freedom. In other words, man, settle all your yesterdays. Like, don't continue to drag that stuff around. There's a big difference between having freedom in Christ and actually living in that freedom every single day. You know that's true. And some of us haven't completely lived or found that freedom that we have, and then find a, discover our purpose, that's huge for you ultimately so that you can make a difference. And it's the, really that journey that, that God wants to take us on to develop within us a well-formed maturity. And so we've been talking about these habits. The first week we talked about focusing on what's first. And by the way, these are not just good habits, these are, these are God habits. It's like focus on what's first, focus on God first. Give them your first part of your year. That's what we're doing. Give them our first part of our, 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 our month, right, our, our week. That's what Sunday is. We're giving God our first part of our week. Give them your first part of your day. And then we talked last week about think right, do right. Because we know we have this battle that's going on in our mind, right? And so we need to make sure that we, we, we uh, control those thoughts because these are not just like self-help habits. These are our God-help habits, really. And that you need God to be a part of it. You can't do these on your own. Somebody said that we need to pray as though everything we wanna do depends upon God, but work as though it depends upon you. And the reason I say that is because this journey is not easy. It's not easy. There's gonna be some challenges. There's going to be resistance along the way. It's not easy. In fact, we said in week one that most of the worthwhile changes that you wanna make in your life are found on the road of most resistance, Not the path of least resistance, which for most of us, the habits that we do have, the ones that we've formed in our life has been because we've taken the path of least resistance. Come on, it's easy to sit on the couch. It's hard to go to the gym, right? At the beginning of the year, it's easy to kind of sit there and to kind of, you know, I don't want to do that today. But God wants to take us on this journey and it takes effort and it's going to take what I want to talk about today. If you want to title, jot this down, we're calling it Fighting the Drift, really fighting that pull that you feel uh, back into the path of least resistance because about this time in those resolutions, in those goals, we all start either getting hungry or wanting to kind of revert back to our old ways, right? And we need to fight that pull, that, that drift that wants to cause us to kind of uh, get off focus. In other words, we need to continuously stay aligned on the reason why like, we're on this planet, like on your purpose, what God has called you to do. 
uh, it's kind of like a car getting realigned, right? You know, if your car's out of alignment, you start to drift to one side of the road or the other. Or when you go to a chiropractor, and a chiropractor even kind of realigns your spine. I've never been to a chiropractor. I'm about to go, though. I've heard some great things about it. Um, but one thing that I'm learning about uh, the alignment of the spine is that you could have a pain in some area, but that's not the problem area. Like the pain could be in one place in your body, but the problem is actually in another. So a chiropractor, what he'll do is he'll like tweak your back someplace. You know, you're like, my shoulder hurts. And so he'll mess with your back. And you're like, no, I said my shoulder hurts, right? He's like, no, this is where the problem actually, is, is the root of it's right here. He'll mess with something on your, your hip and your ear will start to hurt or whatever, right? They're, they're voodoo magic kind of a little bit. But chiropractors, they do that. And the reality is there's a, a pain but the, the source of that pain is actually in a different place. And I think for a lot of us, it's true of our lives. That there is a pain or a hurt or something that you're experiencing, but that pain's not actually the problem. The problem is in a different area of your life. What area are you talking about? Here's what I wanna let you know, is I can't think of anything that's more important to your life. Anything that will bring more uh, definition and direction to your, to your family, to your, your work, to your school, to your relationships, to your marriage, than to know your purpose, than to know why you're here. You know what chiropractors call it? They call it a referred pain. It's pain in one area, but the source of it's somewhere else. You might be experiencing pain in some area of your life, but I'm not sure that's the source of your pain. I think it has to do with your purpose. And are you aligned with your purpose and what God wants to do in your heart and through you and fulfill the plan he has for you? In fact, the best way for me to pastor you, to lead you, is not to solve your pain, is not to solve your issues, your, your problems, is for me to point you to your purpose, is for me to point you to, to live for something greater than that pain. Because ultimately, it's, it's a referred kind of pain. If you knew why you were on this planet, it would give you greater definition to your life, greater direction to your life, and ultimately, I believe, and make an argument for, it will heal some of those other areas in your life where you're experiencing that hurt and that pain and those things that are causing you and I to drift. That's why this week uh, is, is week three of Crash Course. It's called The Me I Was Born To Be. If you are new here, we, we'd love to take you on a four-week journey where we'll feed you, it happens at 12.30, right across the lobby there. We'll feed you, watch your kids, and it's really four weeks of understanding kind of this journey that God wants to take you on. And so I wanna encourage you, jump in today. Hey, what else are you gonna do? It's snowing outside. Get a free meal, all right? Just hang out with us today. I wanna give you three reasons why it's important for us to fight the drift. And then I'm gonna give you uh, four ways how. So if you're counting, that's, that's seven points. You're like, this is gonna be a long message. It is. And so what you need, actually, it's not gonna be that long, but I'm encouraging you to take out your notebook, write some things down. It's proven 99% of the people that go to heaven take notes in church. And so you can start today, all right? Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Drifting keeps me from my God-given purpose. That's what drifting does. And by the way, this is not for pastors. This is not for people in ministry. This is for every single person in this room. You have a God-given purpose. That God created you uniquely and specifically for something. And your life will never make sense to you 
until you align your life around that purpose. In fact, you're gonna continue to have referred pain in other parts of your life, other kinds of hurt or discomfort or worry or stress until you align yourself around the purpose that God created you for. And you need to just trust me in that. This is what David said in Psalm 139. He said, all the days that are ordained for me were already written in your book before one of them came to be. So God has a book on your life. And some of you are like, man, God, I'm not liking the story that you write about my life, right? I don't like this book. My book's not a bestseller. I wish it was like a, a Nicholas Sparks notebook book or you know something like that. Some of you would want that. Or if you're like me, you've added some chapters to the story that God's writing in, you know, in your life. But here's the thing, if you've, even if you've added chapters, God has the unique ability to, to take all those chapters that you've written over what he intended for your life and he can still make them fit and he can still have the last word in your life. That's a great place to say amen right there. He can do that for you. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter the story that you've written, God can take those things and redeem them. That's really what the word redeem is. It's redemption. It's bringing it back to its original purpose and that's what he wants to do for you. Purpose is so big. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. We are God's workmanship. Other versions say a handiwork. Still versions say masterpiece or a, 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 um, a, a one-of-a-kind kind of painting. It says that we are that created in Christ Jesus not to simply exist, not to just work for the weekends, right? Not to, not to kind of go through the motions and punch a clock, not to just go to school, I mean, you have to do all those things, but he says no to, to, to do good works, which, watch this, God prepared in advance for us to do. I don't want you to miss this. This is huge. This is gonna blow your mind. God created the thing for you to do, then he created you. Like, he didn't create, he created the task. He designed the task, what he wanted to accomplish, and then he specifically designed you for that task. This is huge. Like he didn't just say, all right, here's Colby. Like what can we do with this guy? He's about average height. He's a little round, got a really round face, reflexes like a jungle cat. Like what are we gonna do with this clown, right? That's not what he did. He created my purpose and then he created me. And the same is true for you. And by the way, all those things that I've written in my story that weren't according to his purpose, wasn't because his purpose was faulty. That's not the reason for it. It's because of a, it's the product of a fallen world. It's a product of my own sin nature. It's a product of an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy God's purpose for my life. But his purpose for me was perfect all along. And it is for you too. And you need to know that. That he created the thing for you to do and then he created you. That's why it's important. Live by God's design not by default. I don't just kind of coast through life. Don't just kind of have this attitude of whatever happens, happens. No, you decide I'm gonna run hard after discovering what God's purpose is for my life that he created for me before I took my first breath. I encourage you to do that. And that's how we fight the drift. Another reason we fight the drift is because there's competition for my time and attention. You know that. Like at the beginning of the year, things start to pull your, you away and you have all this, like these competing voices and, and schedules for things. Like everybody has a plan 
for your life. Everybody wants something from you. MasterCard has a plan for your life. How many of you know that? They want to know what's in your wallet, right? They got a plan for you. They have a plan. And if you allow someone else to define your life or something else to define your life, guess what? It will. I'll say it this way. If, if you don't decide, pre-decide how you're going to live your life, the world will decide for you. It will decide the way that you spend your time and your money and everything that you do. And the danger in doing that, uh, allowing something or someone else to define you, is that it begins to add things to your life that were never meant to be in there in the first place. It begins to add things to your life that pull you off of your purpose, that cause you to drift. And the bottom line is most of us, hey, we're just doing too much. There are too many competing voices for our time and attention. In fact, maybe we bought into the, the lie, you know, the great American lie that more is better, that just more is better, more is, is better, right? If, if $1 is good, $2 is, is better, right? If one Krispy Kreme is good, two Krispy Kremes are? It's a warm-up. That's a warm-up, all right? It's an appetizer, some of you are like, I hate you. Day eight of a fast, and you're talking about Krispy Kreme. Uh, if, if one car is good, two cars are better, right? That's what we say. How about this? If one kid is good, two kids are? Ah, some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. If one wife is good, two wives are? Wrong. It's wrong. Don't even think that. But since I opened that door already, if one husband is good, two husbands are? A headache. That's right. Somebody last night said, that's a headache. That's a lot more work. There's no way. Like, more is not better. Listen, an overwhelmed uh, schedule will lead to an overwhelmed life. And you can easily overwhelm yourself, your, your life with, with every, all these competing uh, voices that we have. And again, the problem for most of us is we try to attack the symptoms of it. We try to attack the things, fix the problem, fix the time, fix what, the schedule, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, again, that's not the root of the issue. It's a referred pain pointing to something else, pointing to the fact that maybe you are not living your life on purpose. Maybe you're not living your life according to the plan that God had for you that he created for you before he created you. This is what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4. He said, better is one handful. He's like, I got two hands, but better for me to just grab one handful worth and have some peace in this life and not to have these competing voices for my time and attention than to grab with both hands and try to schedule everything and do everything and live my life with chaos and toil. Like it's just a chasing after the wind. And some of you, you feel that way about your life. Like, like you've just been going through the motions, chasing wind, trying to grab wind, and it's just not, it's not working for you. Here's a third reason we gotta fight this drift is because time is short. Jot that down. Our time is short. And really it's short on two different levels. One level is, is, is time is short for you. Like you, today you are one day closer to the end of your life than you were yesterday. Welcome to Elevate Church. My job is to encourage you, <laughs> build you up. But it's also short on another level. I believe that, that Christ will return soon. I don't know when that's gonna be. I don't even know if it's gonna be in, in my lifetime necessarily. I'm not an eschatologist, right? But God's word has a lot to say, and I can read God's word. And it has a lot to say about 
when, God, when, when Jesus comes back, things are going to look a certain way. He gives us some ideas on, on what the, the, the seasons kind of might look like. Jesus has a lot to say. He says, if you start seeing these kinds of things, like get your house in order, get, get ready. And the best way I read God's word is that I can't see any one of those things that, that they say will, will happen that haven't happened yet or that aren't currently being fulfilled. And I would say at the end of the day, man, time is limited. You just need to know that. Our time is limited, and I want you to hear my heart on this. Because of that, you don't have room to live a casual kind of whatever happens, happens kind of life. I don't have room to live, live that way. James 4.13, he says it this way. Those of you who say, hey, you know what? Maybe today or tomorrow we'll go this place or that place. We'll go to this city. Maybe we'll go to that city. I don't know. Just kind of living so casually. You know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. We'll just carry on business as usual, make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, tomorrow's not even promised to you. It's not even promised to, to any of us. He says, in fact, what is your life? It's just a, a mist. And the word he uses for mist, uh, the actual word, in the Greek means if you boil water, uh, you start to see kind of that steam rise up and as soon as that puff of steam rises up, it's gone, that's the word. He says it's just this mist, it's this vapor, it appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, what you should do is say, if it's the Lord's will, then we'll do that or then we'll, we'll do this. In other words, I don't have time to do the casual thing. The whatever happens, happens kind of thing. I have to figure out my purpose. I have to figure out why I'm on this planet, figure out God's will for me. There's a great book I would recommend by John Maxwell. Uh, it's called Today Matters, if you want to just jot down a title. But the kind of the big idea of the book is that uh, you are living the day right now that matters. Maybe you've read that. You're living the day right now that matters. You're living the day right now that could be remembered. Uh, you could be remembered for forever. In other words, this is the day. And then if this is the day that you would be remembered for forever, then how would you live that day? Like what would that, that look like? What decisions would you make? What direction would you go? The book goes on to say, you'll never change your life until you change the things that you do every single day. And here's the reality. A lot of us want change, but we refuse to change the things that we do every day. We like to have new hopes for a new year and have things look a little bit different, but we refuse to change those things every day. And if you keep doing what you're doing, come on, you're just gonna keep getting what you're getting over and over and over. And so that's why we're in this series. These are, these are kind of not self-help habits. These are God-help habits. Like that we look to God, God, what do you want from us at the beginning of this year? And what are some of those goals, some of those things that we should go after? Like, have your resolutions, you know? Don't do the re resolution like, hey, this year I'm gonna learn how to, how to whistle and hum at the same time, like, and sound like a vacuum. That's a great skill, and that will serve you well, I, I promise you one day. But let's go after what God wants for us. And let's go after something different this year. Maybe we've had the wrong focus, and I wanna help you master this habit of getting your life in alignment with your purpose and helping you to fight the drift. All right, Colby, how do we do that? Here's the first thing, jot it down. Choose the important over the urgent. Here's where it gets real practical. You have to decide what's going to really be important in your life. 
Because if we're being honest, many of us, our lives are dictated not by what's important, but what's by what's urgent. What do I have to do right, right now? Maybe they're being defined by someone or something else. Maybe your life is being defined by your schedule. And have a schedule. I'm not saying don't do that. Have a schedule. Just make sure your life isn't defined by your schedule. Because it's interesting. We can say some things are important, but our life doesn't reflect the importance of those things. Because maybe we're too busy doing other things. And listen, we all have other things we have to do. I'm not saying that. Don't neglect the things that you have to do. We all have things that we don't necessarily want to do that we gotta do. You gotta clean the toilets. You gotta do some chores. You know, you gotta do that kind of stuff. I get it, but those things can't dominate your life. You know, you have to uh, choose what's important over what's urgent. Make sure your priorities are in order. There was a guy who was at the Super Bowl game last year. He was sitting on the 50-yard line about halfway up. Great seats, like expensive seats, and the seat in front of him was empty, and he eventually, halfway through the game, he asked the guy that was sitting next to the empty seat, he's like, hey, like, do you know why that seat's empty? Those seats are like thousands of dollars. Like, there's no way you know, that should be empty. He said, yeah, that was, that was my wife's ticket, and she passed away. And he's like, man, I'm so, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, but honestly, that seat is worth so much money. You couldn't find anybody from your family to come and, and watch the game with you? He's like, no, nah, because they're all at the funeral. I had you going. I had you going. Hey, how many of you know that guy's priorities weren't, weren't accurate, right? They weren't lined up well. He kind of had some things out of whack. That's not a true story, by the way, so don't get your feelings hurt. We have to make sure that our priorities are in order and we choose what's important over what's urgent. Philippians 3, 7 says it this way. Whatever was to my profit, is what he's saying. Whatever I, I thought was important, um, but the longer I live and the closer I get to Jesus, I realize it wasn't all that important. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And what's more, I consider everything a loss compared to, watch this, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. What's that? The surpassing greatness. Paul's saying, I have my priorities messed up. Like I thought these things were, were greater, but the moment I met Jesus, the moment I understand who he was, I understood these things didn't even come close to knowing Jesus. These things weren't even that important to, to knowing the surpassing greatness. Like he's so much greater. And we have an enemy who will try to pull us off track and lie to you and say, hey, hey, don't, don't go all in with Jesus. Like just, just kind of, you know, know who he is, that's fine, but live life how you wanna live life, just kind of live it up, you know, and, and at the end kind of squeak your way into heaven kind of thing. Like he'll, he'll tell us half-truths that God will still love you, which he will. But more than God wanting you to be you know, happy, he wants you to be filled with joy. And he knows the only way that you're filled with joy is that when you're making a difference by, by uh, discovering the purpose that you've been created for and ultimately making the difference in other people's lives, that's when he says you'll find the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ for whose sake I gave up all that other stuff. That other stuff that I thought was important. In fact, he says, all that other stuff, uh, I consider that now trash. That was nothing that I may gain Christ. That was nothing that I may go all in with Jesus. That was nothing compared to this surpassing greatness. There's different levels of, of following Jesus. There are people that are like, I believe in Jesus. I know who he is. I got it. Then there's the people that are like, I'm gonna go to church every single Sunday kind of level. Then there's the I'm going all in because I wanna know 
like the surpassing greatness. I want to know who Christ is. I'm going to do everything that I can do to follow him. And I would just say choose what's important over what's urgent. Here's another way we do it. Now you have to reflect what's important on your calendar. In other words, it better show up on your schedule. Colby, none of this is rocket science. It's not. Nothing I ever say will. I'm a, I'm a, you know this. Here's the cookies. Here's the bottom shelf, right? Come and get them. That's it. I'm a cookies on the bottom shelf, guys. It's simple, but it's amazing to me that when we say reflect what's important on your calendar, how many people will say something is important in their life, but it never shows up on their calendar? They'll say something is valuable. They'll say something that matters in their, their life, but it never shows up on their schedule. I'll say it this way. If you say something is important, but it doesn't show up on your schedule, it's not as important as you say. It's not as important as you say it is. And so if it has value, you better invest in it. If your marriage is important, you better invest in it. You better have a date night, date day, date afternoon, date weekend, whatever it is, you better invest in it. If your family's important, you better invest in it. If you say it's important, make sure it's reflected on your calendar. Before everything else starts to fill up your calendar, right? You fill it with what's important first. In fact, here's, here's what Psalm 90 says. says, Lord, teach me to number my days and to recognize how few they are. And so because of that, help me to spend them like I should. Like, don't let me just kind of drift. Don't let me just kind of go off course. Help me to spend my days like I should. John Maxwell has another something uh, that he likes to, to teach is called the rule of five. Maybe you've heard this before. It's a great rule. I've uh, adopted it into my life. But the rule of five says, uh, what if there were five things that you did every day? Not that you did all day, but you did five things every single day, even if it was just for a few minutes, like here or there, what kind of impact would that have in your, in your life? And what he says is it's kind of like um, I'm taking an ax and going to chop down a tree. And you go outside and you take five whacks at it. Chop, 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 chop. And you put the ax down and you go back inside. And then you come out the next day, you pick up that ax, chop, 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 chop. Put it down, go back inside. You come out every single day, take five whacks at that tree. Eventually, what's gonna happen? The tree's gonna fall. It's by doing these little things over and over and over again that make it happen. The reality is a lot of us expect some results in our life that we've never put any activities in our life to get those results. Like we expect some things, we expect these trees to fall, we expect this change just to happen, these, these resolutions, these goals that we have, but we never put anything in place for us to get there. And he says, do, do five things, keep it simple. Like what if you did them every single day? Here, here are mine, um, my rule of five. Uh, you can adopt these, you can use these, you can make your own, whatever, but mine are pray. I'm gonna do that every single day. I'm gonna seek God. Like the first thing, I'm gonna pray for my, my wife, my family, I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna pray for my team, but even if it's just one or two sentences, I'm going to pray, and then I'm gonna study God's word, like every single day, because I know it's alive, I know it's active, and I need it. Like I need to get a word from God's word, right? I need to, 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 to lead you in that direction. I need to line up God's truth with everything that I'm experiencing in life, and so do you. And then I need to love those who are closest to me. In fact, I wanna say this, the most important people in your life are the people who have your last name. They're the most important ones. So make sure you love them well 
So I'm gonna love my family. I'm gonna love, I'm gonna love my team in this church. I'm gonna love you. Like those are my relational, relational priorities in life. And then I'm gonna make a difference in someone else's life every single day. And by the way, that's not as hard as you think. Like it could be a 15 second text that you send to someone. Hey, I just wanna encourage you. Hey, thank you so much. You know, I'm praying for you, thinking about you. Like just encourage someone every single day, make a difference. And then five for me is I'm gonna take care of myself. Because if I don't do that, I can't do these other four, right? So you gotta take care of yourself. I would encourage you, like what would your life look like a year from now if you did five things, but you did them every single day, not all day, but every single day, I promise you, you will get like another step closer to the you that you wanna be. And while you're kind of uh, making time and having your calendar reflect what's important in your life, here's, I'm gonna give you three things real quick to make sure are on that calendar. One is make time for renewal. You better schedule that in there because some of you are just working too hard. Some of you moms, you're working too hard. Like this practice, that practice, going everywhere. And I know there are things that you have to do. You're working hard. Some of you dads, you're just working hard. You're trying to, trying to do it all, trying to do everything. Some of you business leaders, right, you're just doing too much. And it's great to have, have goals and all that, that, that stuff. Have that, but don't neglect the principle of the Sabbath. You have to make time for renewal. You have to make time to get, get refreshed. And we always say, hey, put God's word to the test in this area. Like, like challenge, I challenge you to, to take a Sabbath where you take a day. And I promise you, you'll get more done in, in six days with God's help, being refreshed by God, than you will in seven days on your own. It worked for Chick-fil-A. It worked for Chick-fil-A, didn't it? All right. Now some of you are like, man, I wish I could go to Chick-fil-A. It's Sunday, you can't. They're, they're making time for renewal, right? So make time for renewal. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians. He said, therefore... I don't lose heart. Paul, how do you not do that? Because this is what we're after. We don't wanna lose heart. All these things that we're chasing at the beginning of the year, how do you not do that though? Outwardly, we are wasting away. Maybe you feel that way. Inwardly, he says we're being renewed. It's by this process of being renewed day by day. You better make sure, like as you're scheduling what's important and it's being reflected on your calendar, that you make time for renewal. Here's the second one, make time for relationships. You better schedule that in there. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here on this. We're gonna talk about this more next week. But the, the most important decisions in your life have to do with the people you put in your life. Have to do with the relationships that you have. In fact, you've heard this said before that show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And it's so true. Like you gotta get yourself around the right people. I would say jump in a group. Groups are about to start here in a week or two. And so, man, make sure you get connected to people. Groups are where a big church gets small. It's the way we kind of take care of each other, pastor each other, disciple you know, one another, how we're held accountable. So just make sure you're doing life with people. Just try it out, 10 weeks. That's it, just try it out uh, this next semester. And here's the last thing, schedule time for reward. Reward, make sure that shows up on your calendar. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about eternal rewards. I'm talking about rewards in heaven. I'm talking about doing things that will make a difference for eternity. Hey, real quick, real quick. Everybody look up here. Um, at the end of your life, there's going to be an exam. And really, there's only two questions on the exam. And the first thing that's on the exam, and it's my job really as a pastor to help prepare you for the exam. Honestly, 
Uh, and the first thing God's gonna ask you, what did you do with Jesus? He's gonna say, I sent my son to die on the cross for sins of the world. Did you receive that? Did you allow him to pay for your sins or are you gonna pay for your sins yourself in separation? And the worst thing to do is to pay for your sins when they've already been paid for by Jesus, his death on the cross. So God's gonna ask you that. What did you do with Jesus? And then the second question in the exam is what did you do with the life I gave you? It's like this purpose that I created you for before you even had breath, this purpose that I made for you and then I created you, what did you do with that? And you're gonna wanna be able to answer that and say, man, I found out, I discovered why I was here and I did exactly what you called me to do. You have to make time for that, to live for the, the well done, good and faithful servant. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes, I've done everything under the sun and you know what? I've seen it all, chased it all, done it all. I realized it's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Don't let that be your life. That you're just chasing after all these other things. The things that maybe don't really matter, chasing after the one, but live for those rewards in heaven. The Bible says a lot about that. Jesus says when he's coming back, actually, he's gonna come back and bring his rewards with him for people. He calls them apodidomai, meaning that he just, he's gonna pay you back for the way that you lived your life. I'm just encouraging you, schedule, make sure you schedule time for, for making a difference in others' lives. Here's, here's a, a, the third reason how we fight the drift, and that is we remove non-essentials. Third way to do it. Remove the non-essentials from your life. We all have them, by the way. Um, there are things that you have in your life, your life's not better with those things in them. They're not adding any value to you. They're not kind of pushing you toward your, your purpose. Maybe they don't uh, spark joy. My wife has been watching a lot of this lady called Marie Kondo. I don't know if you've seen her. She does this thing on Netflix called Tidying Up. It's about organizing homes and she goes in houses and helps kind of declutter homes. And the thing she says is, here's what you do. Uh, she says, you pick up something that you don't know if you should keep or not. You hold it in your hand and you say, does this thing bring me joy? And if it doesn't bring you joy, you thank it, thank you, and then you give it away. And then you trash it kind of thing. Some of us, we have things in our life they're not bringing you joy. They're not even pushing you towards your, your purpose. It's a non-essential that's keeping you from reaching that, that purpose. In fact, the way that you uh, kind of eliminate those in your life is not to create a to-do list, but to create a to-don't list. Like have some things that you say, I'm not gonna do anymore. Have some things that reflect uh, what Hebrews tells us. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Like get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the stuff that's not allowing you to run the race that God marked out for you, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And by the way, the word sin doesn't mean you're terrible. It doesn't mean you're awful. It doesn't mean all these mistakes that you've made. The word sin is actually an archery term that means you're missing the mark. You're just not headed toward the purpose that God has for you. You're not aimed in the right direction. So get rid of that stuff that's not aiming you in the right direction and let us then run the race that God marked out for you. Let us run and do that purpose that God created for us in advance. Eliminate some things from your life. That will keep you from, from drifting. One of the things Kristen and I decided to do with our four boys and knowing schedules can get crazy and some of you experience this, you know this, you probably even feel it more than I do is with school events and sports and all that kind of stuff, we tell our boys one sport at a time. 
Like, that's it. But dad, but dad. Nope. Once more at a time. That's it. Because we're not going to do something every single night of the week. Like, that's not going to be our life. Like, we're not going to just, you know, be so busy. In fact, you know you are too busy if you say, all right, kids, it's time for dinner, and they run and go get in the car. All right? You know you're too busy. And I promise you, you'll survive if you don't schedule something every single night of the week. Like, eliminate something. Eliminate non-essentials. That will keep you on your purpose. Here's the last one, and I'm done. And that is to regularly take inventory. That's what I want us to do right now. Um, I think it would be a great use of our day. I think it would be a great use of our time if we just asked ourselves in this moment, all right, God, where am I drifting? Where have I been pulled off of my purpose? Where is it that I'm experiencing some hurt or some pain in my life that is actually not the problem, but it's pointing to a different area. It's a referred pain. It's pointing to why you created me. And then I'm not in line with my purpose. I think some of the best use of our time would be to ask God that. Where are we drifting? And because of something that um, David said this prayer, in Psalm 39, he said, Lord, remind me. And honestly, here's the truth. I'm just reminding you. I didn't tell you anything that was rocket science. I'm just reminding you of some things. Because our life drifts. It's easily drifting off of our mark. So remind us how brief our time on earth will be. And remind me that my days are numbered, that my life is, is fleeing away. And that's the reality of it. He goes on to say, my life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. So where are you drifting in your life? Where are those areas that maybe you need to eliminate to remain focused? Where are those areas that you say are important that need to show up on your schedule? What are those goals that you've made that you say, hey, I want this tree to, to come down in my life this year, but you haven't put processes in place in order for that tree to come down? It's drifting. It's drifting. And God wants us to be focused. So let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. And just take a second and ask God, God, where am I drifting? Where am I drifting? Maybe even ask yourself to remind me of your purpose for me. Do I, do I even know? Have I forgotten? Have I forgotten that you created a task and then you designed me to fulfill that task? And do I even know what that is? Maybe today you're seeking God for answers as, as your purpose, as far as your purpose goes. But God, why am I here? I'm on this earth because I promise you, when you understand that, it gives direction to every other area of your life. And every other area of your life that feels out of focus, that feels maybe painful, is a referred pain pointing to being out of alignment with your purpose. So God, help us to fight the drift. Help us to stay on point with where you're leading us. God, speak to our heart today. God, help us to live for that well done, good and faithful servant the day we stand before you. And you say, man, you lived out the design that I had for you every step. And even if we've written 
multiple chapters on the story that God wrote in our life, it's okay. That God wants to bring us back. He wants to redeem us. And he can still have the last word in the story that we've written. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, maybe you're here today. And you don't even know your purpose, but you're not even sure you're a follower of Jesus. You're not even sure that when you stand before God one day and he asks you, what did you do with my son, that you know how to answer that. Well, can I tell you that God so loves you, that he's desperate for you. He wanted to have a relationship with you that he sent Jesus to die for you. He so loves you that he didn't want you to be caught up in your sin and feel guilt and shame. That he wanted to save you from that. And the only way he knew how to do that was to send his first and only son to die on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And the Bible tells us that if we would believe that Jesus died for us, and that God raised him from the dead and we would confess him as Lord and Savior of our life, that we would be saved. We would be free from the penalty of that sin that we carry. In fact, he would remove it as far as the east is from the west. And so I wanna give you a chance to do that today. So you know how to answer that exam on the final day that God, what I did with your son was I allowed, I, I let him, I trusted him to pay for the sins of my life. And so I would not have to carry them anymore. If you'd say, Colby, that's what I need. That's why I'm here. I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer because that's how we enter into a relationship with God. Again, as we confess Jesus as Lord with our lips and believe that God raised him from the dead will be saved. So I'm gonna invite you to do that. You can pray something simple like this, but you say, Colby, when you pray, I'm praying right along with you. This is why I'm here. Maybe you're committing your life to Jesus for the first time or for the first time in a long time. You just need to get back on track you need to stay focused on him. Say, I'm gonna pray that with you. Would you, every head bowed, every eyes closed, would you just throw up your hand wherever you are right now? And just kind of, God, here I am, right here. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God for you. You can put your hand down. Say something like this. Jesus, today, I surrender it all to you. I know that you love me so much that you gave your life for me. And I know that you don't want me to carry around my sin and my shame and my guilt, that you want to free me. And so today, I receive that payment that you made on the cross for my sin. Thank you for dying for me, shedding your blood for me, conquering sin so that I could be set free. And so Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Just tell him that, just whisper it to God. Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. So right here and right now, I'm being raised to new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, celebrate. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there'll be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to feeling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.